Locked on BYUSN survival of the fittest and free throws. BYU men's basketball gets a narrow win over UCF, holding off a night's furious comeback. We look at the strange numbers that told the story of last night's game. And with last night's win, BYU is now over 500 in the Big 12 for the first time ever. What does that mean for the Cougars this season and the rest of the way? ESPN's Sean Farnham discusses the wild win last night. BYU's potential three-game win streak for a tough stretch and his top five teams in the Big 12. And women's hoops beats UCF as well. They're on a three-game win streak. How long can the streak go? Welcome to BYU Sports Station, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Valentine's Day. Wednesday, February 14th, I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who hopped in his DeLorean last night and went back to the West Coast Conference for a moment, Jerem Jordan. Okay, at Grant Nielsen, too, tweeted the following, because Foose had his jersey ripped. It was just a, a super physical game. After getting his jersey torn by a UCF player, Foose came out in the second half with an old WCC jersey. <laughs> Look at the WCC logo on his jersey. I did not notice that at all. That is a keen observation in a crazy game that we'll uh, dive into in a second. Wow. Now, amazingly, with the 46 combined fouls that were called, the play that Foose got his jersey ripped on was not called as a foul, and Mark Pope was like, uh, he's holding him. Can you see that he's holding his jersey? It didn't happen. Should have been 47 There's no evidence fouls. of that, Spence. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, the WCC jersey back in the Marriott Center. Very funny. We thought the officiating would get better. <laughs> Maybe that was the reason it felt like a WCC game after that. I blame <laughs> UCF more than the refs, actually, because it's just not fun to watch. Oh, the way they man. play basketball is not fun to watch. The way BYU plays basketball, very fun to watch. Oh, that said, we're feeling the love. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Rejection. Beats his man, lays it off the windows. Wow, that looked good. Oh, Elliot Tiki. Knock it down. Up and under. Oh, he just made a 30-footer. Just survive. Find a way. As ugly as it is, if you win the game, you win the game. And BYU does just that. 90 to 88. Yeah, who had that on their bingo card last night for BYU and UCF? What? 90-88. That's not even the strangest number. Speaking of the final score, it's not even close. So let's dive into it. Jerem, which number or numbers best tell the story of last night's BYU victory? <laughs> I can't stand that game last night. That was terrible. It was off two and a half hours, two hours and Don't steal my number! Sorry. 2.32 is the time of the game, 72 free throws, 46 fouls. I could not be limited to one number, Spence. How about 40 makes, by the way? Ties BYU record. Mm -hmm. Those are the numbers that tell the story of the game. The length of time, the free throws, the fouls. Ah, it was terrible. But to BYU's credit, they played into the aggression of UCF. If BYU kind of got passive and wanted to milk clock down the stretch or just take contested threes, BYU would have potentially lost this game but this BYU team played into the aggression got to the free throw line and made free throws 40 made free throws 46 free throw attempts tied for six most in BYU history BYU did a great job of getting to the line and finishing at the line uh, it's a shot you gotta you gotta knock down BYU shot great from the line specifically Jackson Robinson he wins the game for BYU down the stretch he goes 12 of 13 he goes 9 of 10 mm. Finishing with nine makes in a row to win for BYU. If he doesn't just snip a ton of those, 
BYU might lose because UCF was making crazy shots. You're bringing, you're bringing in dudes that had five points in Big 12 play. They're making back-to-back threes for UCF. It's like, it was crazy. So well done by BYU to, to get into this game and make free throws because you know who has the fewest percentage of points from the free throw line in the country? Brigham Young. But last night, that'll help. Really help that average. I'll check that in a second while you're talking. But, um, yeah, those are, those are some of the numbers that really stick out. In a game where I know people were kind of talking, there's this narrative, Spence, again, and we played into it, which is, oh, they almost blew it again. They almost blew it again. But they didn't blow it. They did not blow it. They won the game. Does it mean later BYU is going to lose uh, to perhaps better competition in a similar situation? I don't know. I like that BYU gets double-digit leads. I don't like that they lose them, but they're getting them, and it gives them a little room to lose said lead. They're winning so, most and they're of winning them. The game. Okay, BYU in eight of the eleven conference games, they have uh, got in. Well, nine of the eleven, it's been nine plus, and BYU has won. Uh, you know, six of those. How about BYU? I'm good with that. It's fine. How about BYU's won six of the last nine Big 12 games? Remember when BYU yeah. started 0 and two? And two and four. Now they've won six of the last nine in the Big 12. One of the hotter teams in the league right now? With a chance to win seven of ten if they can beat Oklahoma State. But we'll get there in a moment. I was talking with our good friend Greg Rubel last night after the game. And he said, the game just went into bizarro world. And I was like, that's an apt description of what happened, especially over the final few minutes. Because with, I think, two and a half minutes to play, UCF had made two three-pointers <laughs> the entire 17 the entire game. <laughs> they yeah. made five three-pointers in the last 2 minutes and that pushed their second half total to 62. UCF scored 62 points in a half. This is not a team that scores. This is a team that scored 59 total points against BYU in their first matchup. They beat that in the second half. Mark Pope said, and I agree with him 100% they will never replicate that again this season, maybe not ever, where they score 62 points and a half. And you gave him too much credit. It was actually 58 in Orlando. Oh, it you was I mean? 58. So like, ma- even oh, maybe, they scored, maybe they scored 59 against Texas Tech the game before. There you go. Regardless, they they're in the high 50s in those two games. They do not score. Yeah. But it just it got so weird. It got weird. But BYU, to their credit, kept making free throws. It yeah. required BYU to make yep. a plentiful amount of pressure-packed free throws, and they kept doing it. So, for me, I love that BYU, especially the game after they go 10 for 21 from the free throw line against Kansas State, they go 40 for 46, and you mentioned the 40 makes ties a program record. This game was ugly. It was disjointed. It had no flow. There were two flagrant fouls. There was an intentional foul. There were so many reviews. The game took forever. Ever. Yeah. Normally the game ends around. I'm not kidding because I host the postgame show. I'm staring at the clock. Like uh, 9.05? 8.58. 8.58. Typically, okay. the over-under is 8.58 for me. It ended at like 9.32. It's like, it was a half an hour longer than most games go. I And it didn't go into overtime. Full disclosure, my number one goal after the game is to get to Chipotle before 10 o'clock. That's when they close. Yeah, that wasn't happening To get some night. chips and queso. <laughs> and as soon as we cross that threshold to where we're going to run into that, it riles me up a little bit. So, UCF, what's going on? No, uh, Greg tweeted this morning, UCF, first team to shoot 50% or better against BYU this mm-hmm. season. First team to make 30 shots. Um, third opponent with 10-plus steals. 
They shot 50% because I swear they had like 11 dunks. They had a lot that, of that. That helps your field goal percentage, especially when BYU yeah. had that weird stretch of six turnovers and six possessions. And UCF went on a 12-0 or 12-1 run in a minute and 57 seconds. They had like two of those, right? They had one in the first, one in the second. BYU answered the runs, though. Jackson Robinson had a really nice finish to the end of the first half. How about Trevin Hill's start to the game? How about Dallin Hall's oh, Dallin. six points in a row response? Dallin Hall was so good. 10-5-5 and five for Dallin, only one turnover. When Dallin Hall doesn't have the ball, BYU tends to turn it over a little more. They, he needs to have the ball in his hand in the press a little more. I know he's given it up to try and make the pass to advance it. But when Dallin Hall loses the ball, then problems started to happen. Noah Waterman, spectacular again, 17-9. and nine. When he's not sick, he's awesome. Hey, it's hard to play through that, right? Jackson Robinson, game high 21. Uh, Trevinell, 17, 10 of 13 from the line. Mm. Three dudes shot 10-plus free throws for BYU, which is wild. Now, I am concerned about the trend of giving up a lot of points in the second half to certain teams. BYU's done this a couple of times, notably in four of the five losses. It's been 47-plus. A season high 62 allowed in the second half. Not good. Yet you win. So that's a positive. But, yeah, that trend certainly isn't good, especially when you're going to play better teams. Not this week, Oklahoma State, but, like, Baylor at Kansas State at Kansas. Certainly you cannot afford to have those kind of uh, second-half lulls defensively and expect to win. So, But it's not about Saturday. It's not about next Tuesday. It's about the fact that you won this game in spite of, of how mucky it was. And again, BYU played into the aggressiveness to get to the line. That is how BYU won. That is the, the biggest positive for me is BYU didn't, oh, no, what are we going to do? Ah, we turned it over six times. Get to the free throw line and make free throws. Dallin Hall sparked that when BYU was in a funk multiple occasions, particularly in the last 10 to 12 minutes of the game. He would make a play. He would make a pass. He's taking it to the rack. He's scoring himself. Not like, turning it over is omissively good as well. One turnover all game. I, I'm telling you what, do not take him for granted. Dallin Hall is a special player for BYU. They are a different team. My favorite number of all after last night is the fact that BYU is one game over 500 in Big 12 play in mid-February. Which is topic two. So now that they are, and they're in the top half of the standings. Cue the graphic. Mm. Now what? Now it's on to Oklahoma State. Oh, look, left side, left side. And BYU tied with TCU in sixth right now. This is the highest they have been in the conference standings. We're coming for you, Kansas. (laughs) Wildly, BYU was just a half game behind the Kansas Jayhawks. Wow. And only two games back of first place, Houston. The numbers for BYU at Oklahoma State line up for the Cougars. As a heavy favorite. You got to win, win that game. BYU can get to 7-5 and five on Saturday, and then you see what kind of momentum they have yep. when they come home for a very, very tough Baylor game and then the two road games at Kansas State and at Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, you and I discussed if BYU can beat Oklahoma State, get 7-5, and five, do and that. then just win one of the next three. One. They're still above 500 at 8-7, going into the final three games of Big 12 play. Where you need to win two With two, of two home games, one against a good TCU team and one more against Oklahoma State, and then a road trip to Iowa State, which just feels like just. after what BYU did to Iowa State in Provo, <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, the fans <laughs> are just going to be absolutely brutal Richie on BYU. Richie going to get it, dude. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely going to get it. Iowa there. State legitimately could win the conference. 
They are that they good. Got, yeah. They're right there with Houston. They're tied with Houston at eight and three. But point is, beat Oklahoma State, win one of the next three, you're eight and seven. And then if you can win two of the final three, Jeremy, you are 10 and eight. And just maybe 10 and eight is good enough for fifth or sixth place in the Big 12, which would be incredible. I would love to be that in the Big 12 tournament, which is super tough. You come in on Wednesday, right? You uh, avoid a first-round game. Yeah. Stay out of the Top 11 four. to 14 situation. Yeah. I would like to play 11 or 14, but what I don't want to play is UCF again, by the way. Oh. Just a little. Like, both games were down to the wire, tough, hard. Or grueling. Cincinnati, for that matter. And Cincinnati and UCF are who right do, around that 10-11 spot. Who do we want to play? I don't. We haven't seen Oklahoma Probably State yet. Probably West Virginia on a neutral side. West Virginia is a totally different team away from home. And they're, BYU is a yeah, bad matchup for West Virginia. They still intimidate me a little bit. Like, they just have, like, oh, man. They have some skill there. with, with Every team is tough. Everybody. No doubt about it. Yeah. When you have a dude who goes with his first name on the back of his jersey, I'm just like, what's going on there? What's your – Kirk Creesa goes with Kerr on the back. I'm like, what is your story? Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. The opportunity for BYU is big time. You've got to win at Oklahoma State. Bryce Thompson tore his labrum, one of the leading scorers for Oklahoma State. They've been without him the last couple of games. They're still figuring that out. And they were struggling with him. So go and beat that team. It's another uh, homecoming for Jackson Robinson, by the way. Uh, he's from like two hours south in Ada, Oklahoma. So I'll have a ton of fans there. Hopefully that's a, a good game. Kind of struggle with that at Oklahoma. But this team continues to grow. I think, by the way, last night's game in the WCC, that BYU somehow loses that game. Like, I think BYU has become a hardened, toughened, stronger team yeah, the with battle the challenge test, of right? the Big 12. They can handle a game like that. Now, granted, being at home was everything last night. I think if BYU plays that game on the road, that it's tougher to win. You're not getting to the line 46 times on the road. Oh, and That doesn't happen. UCF? Like, the home team is not <laughs> going to you know, shoot way fewer than you like that. Being at home led to 46 free throw attempts. That's part of the deal. Wasn't it UCF fouling him? I'm telling you, being at home, you get a few more calls. It's just how it works, right, for everybody. So good on BYU to not surprise us yet outside of Cincinnati, remember? Well, negatively. That's the only surprise. We haven't had any of these classic Pacific, Pepperdine, Portland weird games in the past. There's only yet. one that really could be out there, and it's at Oklahoma State. At Oklahoma State could get weird. Home Oklahoma State could get weird. But at West Virginia could have very well been that. At UCF, if BYU had lost that, we would have been like, well, first Big 12. Okay. To BYU's credit, they've shown up in a lot of these games. And that was – like, I know UCF's not like the strongest team ever. That's a big-time win given the stakes, given the opportunity for BYU to be a high seed potentially in the NCAA tournament. You have to finish games like that. They went up 19. They didn't blow the lead. They, won, they almost did. If you're scared by margins, then I don't know what to tell you. But BYU – Survived a 62-point second half it, by a team. Took when insane, has that happened? It took an insane barrage of just wild three-point shots and bounces, and it was crazy. It's not good. I've never seen anything like that. I hope not to again. That, that's, that's just so uncommon. It is almost impossible to score as many points as BYU and UCF did combined in the last two minutes of that game. It was like they, they combined yeah, for like 27 points in the final two minutes. Yeah, what, no, what, what in the world? Last two. Something like that, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll I want to say it was like 27 points combined for in the last two minutes. That is in, it's just an insane number. It's <laughs> never going to happen again. Well, at least not for a very long time. I'll never say never. But 
There were so many. What if I told you it was 31 points? It was 31! <laughs> it was 31 points! I only it, added a 27. It was, uh, no, 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 sorry, 20, no, 29. Okay, 29. Points. 29. That is a stupid amount of points. Yeah. That's not, when, when UCF has, scored 19 themselves. When has that happened and when will that happen again? It is so uncommon. Yeah. So people are like, oh, they, the lead went away again. Like, uh, it, it took something just absurd was from crazy. UCF yes. to make that happen. And BYU still won the game. Like, UCF never took the lead. They never tied it. Yeah. They just BYU that, led the entire way. BYU was up nine late, and it was a good thing they were up nine late because they needed all of it, right? They never trailed in the game. But they kept making pressure free throws. Yep. Win the game, yep. and they did. Question of the day. <laughs> what do you love most about BYU sports right now uh-huh. in the spirit of Valentine's Day? Rogue Mark on X says, I love the Big 12 Conference. Amen. Win or lose, no more independent slash West Coast Conference <laughs> unless your Foose is Jersey. <laughs> the interactions with so fans funny. from the conference have been great. Yeah. This past year has definitely been so much more enjoyable than the previous 12+. plus. Well, I have Pioneer Settlement Theory, which is – Initially, everyone's cool with it, and then eventually they get stirred up a little bit. I think in, like, year three, four, five, we'll start to get, like, oh, wait, now I'm annoyed by X, Y, Z, like the honeymoon's <laughs> over. That will happen later, but um, it's, it's very fun. This whole experience has been enjoyable, obviously because BYU's winning, but the fan bases of the other teams have been great. Until next year when a couple teams, uh, one team in particular, enters who thinks they will dominate <laughs> Not in basketball. Uh, no, although we can't talk. We sadly lost. That Hashtag game. BYUSN on X, Facebook, <laughs> and Instagram. We're coming in the league, Spence. What, what do you love most about BYU sports right now? Shut up, Daryl. Long Darryl. live the rivalry. Shut up, Daryl. Yeah, a, you, the Big 12 doesn't know what's coming. Yeah. We haven't busted out Daryl in a while. <laughs> the, the annoying Utah man. Yeah, BYU. but Cam Rice is going to win the Heisman. Hey, right. we have a seven-tier wow. quarterback, too. Let's go. Okay. BYU Basketball with Mark Pope's tomorrow night, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Coming off a nice win against UCF at Oklahoma State on Saturday. Join the program tomorrow night on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Plus. Up next, ESPN Sean Farnham makes his return. What stood out to him from that strange, unique, bizarre win by BYU last night? What's his most telling number? And what's the realistic ceiling for the Cougars in the Big 12? This is BYUSN. BYU basketball, 6-5 in Big 12 play, tied for 6th after surviving against UCF last night in a very bizarre game. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Make way for the elite college basketball analyst from ESPN. He is Sean Farnham. I'm joining us, Sean Farnham, rather, joining us for his weekly segment. Sean, happy Valentine's Day. Great to have you with us once again. Listen, I have to start today with being Valentine's Day. I want, I want the world to know the love. No, go back to the three shot. I want the three shot. We'll go back to the three shot. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. I want director. the world. I want the world to know <laughs> the love that I have for Jerem, because Cougar Board last week was all upset. Were they all upset? Oh, Sean's being mean to Jerem. Like it was mean what he did to Jerem. And and I want, I all want right. the world to know that when our segment was done, I direct messaged Jerem right yeah. away and said. Love you, brother. Yeah. And that this this relationship between the three of us 
is actually a friendship and that I actually have so much respect for you two and what you do on a nightly basis. Uh, in fact, I tuned in last night to the halftime show, even in studio in Bristol. I said, turn those guys up. Listen, this is what an ESPN plus broadcast should look like when you have a nice studio like that and great breakdowns uh, instead of just random things that don't make sense. So Cougar board, relax. I love these two guys. Or <laughs> these, these two guys, like those two guys. I love these two so you guys. You got to be the weatherman. You got to know which way you're going, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, which way? Yeah. but yeah, no, I love I love these two guys. There's a reason why I come on here every single week, and it's a lot to do with these two. Uh, and so on Valentine's Day, I want Cougar Board to know that I got nothing but love for Jerem and Spencer. We are we are feeling that love. Just so you know, Cougar Board's not going to settle down. They never do. Uh, but it's but thank no. you. And by the way, I also you. don't have a fake account that posts things on Cougar Board. If I was to go on, trust now me, I'm I thinking would, you, you would do me. that. You said that burner um, account. No, I got I got messages. I got people that message me that are part of uh, Cougar Nation that were like, Sean. People were very upset with how mean you were to Jerem today. And I was like, Oh, I was just joking. Like, it was a joke. It's, just, it's it's fun. Like, yeah, good. okay. But anyway, so on Valentine's Day, I want you to know nothing but love for the two of you. Okay, you. now we can proceed. All good. You know what wasn't fun? Watching last night's game. Oh, my goodness. That stunk. We had way too, <laughs> 72 free throw attempts, 46 fouls. It got super weird. I know you were doing studio stuff on ESPN2 last night, uh, watching Iowa State and Cincinnati and, uh, what, Baylor, Oklahoma after that. Yep. But this game got weird at the end. You guys thought it was over, and then suddenly the last two minutes took forever. We had to combine 29 points in the last two minutes. The last two minutes were insane. So we, just a little behind the curtain, uh, Seth Greenberg, Dallin Cuff, and I are, are doing College Basketball Live last night that started at, at 11 p.m. Eastern time or right off that Baylor game. And we go to our segment. And, again, the highlight for BYU was scheduled to be, like, in the B block, which is the second block uh, right after the first commercial break. And so we go start the first segment. And we look at the screen as we go to that first commercial break, and all of us were like, what is going on? How did this happen? Like, we started the, we started our segment with you guys, like, up eight. And now it could be potentially a one-point game. And was that a foul on the three-point shot? Because we don't have audio up. And we're looking, going, this is the most wild thing. Like, what just transpired in the last two minutes that we missed? And evidently, we missed a lot. We missed 29 <laughs> points yeah. in those two minutes. Um, but it was a wild game because there was a large portion of it. I, I think we could say that BYU played outstanding basketball. When they were up by 20, you're like sitting there going, okay, like this is really good high-level basketball. Um, but obviously there were some breakdowns, the turnovers that led to points off of turnovers. That to me is probably the one stat that concerns me most if I was a BYU fan. Because you're going to have fouls and you're going to have weird things happen. But what you cannot do is turn the ball over and allow your opponent to get almost 30 points off those turnovers and expect to have success. You can do that at home, maybe, and they did last night. But even Oklahoma State this weekend, if you turn the ball over and you give them 30 points off of turnovers this weekend, you're probably not going to win that game. Uh, and that would be a concern for me uh, for BYU and something that obviously probably will be discussed today at practice and moving forward to Oklahoma State. Sean Farnham of ESPN is on BYU Sports Nation. Speaking of concerns and BYU fans, there is a growing concern that, man, BYU is building big leads consistently and often in the second half, and then these leads are slipping away. But, Sean, they've won the majority of their Big 12 games. So even though they build the big leads, hey, most of the time they're winning those games. Are you concerned about BYU perceivably letting leads slip away consistently in Big 12 play? What I would say to all of those fans is, have you watched any other games in the Big 12 <laughs> this year? Exactly. 
Because if you have, you would notice that a lot of teams do that. Even Iowa State, multiple times this year, even go back to the Iowa State game at home against Kansas, they had a sizable lead. It looked like they were going to be landing the plane softly, and the next thing you know, boom, it's a tight game, and it's you know one or two possessions. Uh, it just kind of is the way that college basketball has gone this year um, because of the fact that we don't have any really great teams. We don't. And, you know, that, that when you don't have great teams – uh, you, you will find in pressure moments that there will be times that teams will slip up or that another team all of a sudden gets hot. And we've seen that. And it's worked in BYU's favor sometimes, and it's worked in their detriment at some point in time. And last night it was not in their favor, uh, but what it did do was they still won the game. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Like, that is all that matters right now. I know, like, we look at efficiencies and margins of victory, and we, we want everything to look pretty. Not everything's going to look pretty, in particular in a conference like the Big 12. So you've got to figure out a simple math equation. At the end of the game, is it plus one or is it minus one? That's the only thing that matters right now for BYU. It's the only thing that matters for any team. Winning is the most important factor. Looking pretty while doing it doesn't matter. So if, if you're concerned about blowing leads, yes, I would be concerned about that, in particular when you go on the road, because that's where that will – most likely be worked to your detriment and give you a loss. Um, but I think it comes down to just being mentally and physically not worn down. And that's the challenge of being in the big 12. You get physically exhausted, but even more so you're mentally taxed because every single game you go into, you're like, Oh man, like we just got this dub. We should feel good about it. And you're like, but wait, hold on. This weekend, we got like a, a top 25 opponent. Now, obviously, <laughs> Oklahoma State is not a top 25 opponent this weekend. But look at the remain, remaining schedule uh, for BYU coming up after that. I mean, it is a gauntlet of difficult matchup after difficult matchup that they're going to have to find a way to win one or two of those games if they want to be a club 500 uh, at the end of the year. And that's the challenge of being here. I mean, you look, get past Oklahoma State. Now it's at, uh, you got Baylor at home. You got to win that game at home against Baylor. Baylor's a really good team. At Kansas State, like, yeah, it's Kansas State, but at home in the octagon, they're really tough in Manhattan. And then you got Kansas at Kansas. Okay, how's their record at home? Pretty good, huh? <laughs> you know, TCU, one of the oldest teams in college basketball. Iowa State, I think, is playing the best basketball of everybody in the conference right now. And then you get Oklahoma State again at home. So that is a very difficult five-game stretch. And in that five-game stretch, you got to find a way to win two of those games, maybe three, uh, to put yourself in the best position possible to get to Kansas City. TCU's old. You be, that's basically the bad signal for BYU. Uh, let's go. Uh, it's going to be a fun uh, stretch here. But BYU having Oklahoma State, a team that they need to go in and beat probably twice, that, it, that makes it just a little easier. But it doesn't mean it's easy. Obviously, Bryce no. Thompson tearing his labrum is a big deal for them. So I, I think last night's game, if it, was, if it had happened on Saturday, that Tuesday game is dangerous given the extreme nature of all the fouls and the length and whatnot. It's Tuesday, so Bureau has a little extra rest, which I think is good. But I did want to ask you about sort of the separation at the top right now. How are you feeling about kind of the, the upper crust of the Big 12, and are we seeing a little bit of separation from kind of the four and sevens near the bottom now? I think we are. Um, I, I think I, I've got a, a ton of concern for Kansas right now without Kevin McCuller. Um, and it's not that they lost to Texas Tech. It's the fact that they weren't competitive mm. at Texas Tech. That, to me, was probably the most alarming and concerning uh, viewpoint on the Kansas Jayhawks, who a couple of weeks ago you'd say, okay, it's between them and Houston uh, at the top spot. Uh, as things kind of change a little bit for me right now in my top five, I'd go Iowa State as number one because their defense is so disruptive. Uh, Houston is right there as well. 
you know, I, I think Houston's a better team. I think Houston could go and win a Final Four. So it's kind of like 1A, 1B between those two. Uh, but T.J. Altsberger's team uh, and how disruptive they were last night, they turned Cincinnati over almost 39% of their possessions. Uh, and then I would have Baylor, who is outstanding at home, uh, struggles to win a little bit on the road. I think that's going to be key. Uh, and then Texas Tech continues to impress. Like, every time I want to doubt Texas Tech, they figure out a way to win a big game. And so I'm done doubting them. Uh, and then there's a new team that I put in at number five Ooh. this week. Uh, and and I put okay. Baylor in there, not because I believe that Baylor is better than Kansas, by the way, at full strength. Um, and not that I believe that BYU will be ahead of them at the end of the season, but I'm talking about how they're playing right now and what they're doing right now. I think BYU would be fifth uh, in the Big 12. And I don't say that just because I'm coming on your show. I say that based on how they're playing. Like I, I was very critical, if you remember the first time I came on with you guys, talking about their, their reliance upon the three-point shot and that they had to find other ways to score. They have done an outstanding job of that. Now, part of that is because teams are closing out so hard at the three-point line. What that's doing is a little, a little turn down the three and let's drive and attack and, and get fouled and get to the line. And that's the way to manufacture points. It's all about manufacturing points and having points per possession. How, much how many points can you manufacture during the course of the game that's going to allow you to withstand a run from your opponent when you're in a conference like the Big 12 or any conference realistically? Like, look, you guys were in the WCC for a long period of time. And it didn't matter where you were at. A team was going to make a run at you. At home and on the road, it's difficult. It's more difficult on the road than it is at home. Sure. Now, the quality of, of opponents certainly has changed, and that level has up, pushed up the level of achievement that we've seen from this team so far this year for BYU. And I, and I think that's an, it, it's an old saying, but, like, if you want to be excellent, surround yourself with excellence. And if you want to be elite, surround yourself with people who are striving to be elite. And the Big 12 takes a great deal of pride in their basketball. And it's not just a football conference. It's obviously the basketball, had nine out of the last 11 years now, it will be the number one ranked conference, according to Ken Palm. Wild. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. So for BYU, yeah, you've had to step up your game this year. And guess what has happened by stepping up your game? You've put yourself in position to wear a home color uniform in the NCAA tournament. That's pretty awesome. And uh, now it's just up for this stretch run. And, and the, the most difficult part of your schedule is the start of February until about February 22nd-ish. Because those are kind of the days, like you get really excited in January. Like you're like, yeah, conference is here. Let's go. It's fun. And the environments are great. And everything's awesome. But then it kind of like, man, the season's kind of wearing down. Your legs are fatigued. Practices are drawing on you. If you take some losses, coach is getting a little edgy with you. And, and the mental and physical wear is there. And then all of a sudden after February, like 22nd, you're like, we're almost at March, baby. Conference championship tournaments <laughs> coming along, the NCAAs. And you all of a sudden get that, like, that third wind of your season, right? The excitement of getting there. You have the excitement at the start of the year. You have the excitement of conference play. And then you have the excitement of that stretch run. The difference of being in a conference like the Big 12 is that stretch run has already begun for BYU and every other team in this conference. And so that excitement and that focus has to be there now in order to put them in the right position to be successful, uh, not only in Kansas City, but also in the NCAA tournament and give yourself a legitimate chance to potentially be a second weekend team. ESPN Sean Farnham is on BYU Sports Nation. It is a Valentine's Day special. All right, Sean, let's go ahead and channel realistic best case scenarios for BYU because right now it's looking pretty good. Joe Lenardi has BYU as the projected five seed and playing in Salt Lake City. So not only wearing a home uniform, but 
playing a de facto home game just up the road in Salt Lake City. And the Cougars, of course, are in sixth place in the Big 12, and they're above 500. What is, in your mind, the realistic best-case scenario for BYU the rest of the way without putting on the full-on blue goggles? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I thought at the start of the year, um, I, I thought there was a chance to maybe get to 11 conference wins. Uh, I don't think that's out of the equation. I think the stretch run is obviously more difficult and might make it that way. But a a uh, a 500 season in the Big 12 or one game above 500, I think, is very realistic for this team right now. And I think that puts you in a really good position because the winner of this conference is going to have six losses probably. And so it's not like you're going to be that far off pace. Um, and then, again these wins become quad one wins. Like more often than not, you're playing quad one and worst case quad two games. So you're strengthening your resume every single game. And that, that is the separator for the big 12 when it comes time. And they have the discussion points in that, that selection committee room, you get, you get the benefit of that. You get, you win in favor of that because of the sheer number of opportunities that are had. And I think at the end of the day, that's going to really benefit uh, BYU and, you look at how jumbled up everything is right now. Look, things could obviously improve, and they could move up even more. Or they could drop. Uh, but I think we are starting to see some separation when you look at Oklahoma State, West Virginia, UCF now, Cincinnati taking that loss last night at home. Uh, very difficult for them. Um, and, and Kansas State, I think, are all starting to kind of drop down a little bit and move and trend in the wrong direction, which I think is actually good for the conference. Um, but, you know, this is – this, they've got themselves in a great situation. And one game above 500 or 500, I think BYU fans should look at that and say, man, what a huge success for us and this roster this year and what a job Mark Pope has done. And I've tried to tell people this for years. Uh, when Mark Pope used to be an assistant and I would watch him work with the bigs under Coach Rose, Dave Fleming and I said, that guy's going to one day be an outstanding head coach. And he's ready to do that right now. And he stayed for a couple more seasons before he ventured off to become a head coach. And I, I think he's the right leader without question for this program. Uh, and as you've seen them make this transition, just how competitive they all are, how hard they play every single game. Uh, that's the mark of a team that not only achieve, achieves to form, but usually overachieves a little bit. And I think BYU has done that for a majority of the season. Sean, it's great to talk to you. We appreciate you spending some of your Valentine's Day with us. We're all feeling the love. Hey, and frankly, to rewind to that lighthearted interaction you had with Jerem last week, and again, it was all in good fun, he was right. You got to win games to get above 500, right? There is no doubt about it. You have to win games <laughs> to get above 500. In the standings, and you're either going to go up or down. <laughs> yep, and, and by the way, Oklahoma State this weekend, it is a must-win game if you want to be above 500 at the end of the year. <laughs> Let's this one go. Is. Maybe I was wrong last week on Oklahoma, but the Oklahoma State game, uh, it's, a must win. Yeah. it's a must-win, man. This one. Yeah. yeah, we agree with that for sure. Thanks, Sean. Great to talk to you. See you no worries, guys. Happy Valentine's Day. And by the way, wait, hold on. Before you let me go, and I know I'm blowing through whatever break you guys have right All now. All good. We, we have How time. have we not talked about the 12-year-old boy and his <laughs> devouring of the <laughs> right? paper tail? I mean, twice. Right? He's done it twice game. now. Yes. Champion. He's the champion. Beckham Bramwell is his that. name. I love the cougar tail, but I don't think I could devour oh, it. Like, what's no. his name, Brian or something Beckham like that? Beckham Bramwell. Very, very formal yeah. English Beckham. name. Yeah, Beckham, congratulations to you. There he is. You B -roll. are a legend. 
as 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 I've been listed on my on my credential at games, and you guys have seen this, it says official Cougar Tail Ambassador. Oh, that's uh, funny. as an official Cougar Tail Ambassador, according to my credential for games that I do mm -hmm. uh, at BYU. I therefore crown Beckham king of the eating of the cougar tail. <laughs> he is him. That's what the kids would say. He is him when it comes to eating cougar tail. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes, that is the, the appropriate That's way to end this That's content for the C-block. We were going to get to that. Let's yeah. go. Uh, good stuff, Sean. Uh, your cougar tail is waiting in Provo whenever you come back, man. All right. I might have to have you guys steal one for me and bring it to Kansas City, all right? We might be able to work that out, too. Thanks, brother. Let's see. All right, talk to you guys. Sean Farnham of ESPN. Beckham dude. Bramwell. It, Can we get him a blue BYU hoodie, by the way? Like, yeah, let's get, let's, this let's get him a, Let's get him a BYU hoodie. Well, they've gone to back to it twice. It's like a regular thing now at the uh, Marriott Center, which is if awesome. They're going to put him on the big, you know, the big screen, and it's going to be a thing. Get him repping. Let's get him repping some royal blue. Number 19 BYU men's basketball at Oklahoma State, Saturday afternoon pregame coverage, early afternoon game, 1 Eastern time on BYU Radio. Hey, it was a, su a successful day for BYU against UCF on the men's and women's sides. And hey. frankly, the end of the women's game was weird too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they won. They got the streak going. How long will the streak continue? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social, Facebook, Action, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your holiday headlines. Number 19 men's basketball survives UCF 90-88 in a wild game in the Marriott Center last night, low-lighted by 46 fouls, 72 free throws. Joey took advantage, however, tying a school record with 40 made free throws on 46 attempts. Jackson Robinson had a game-high 21 points on 12 of 13 from the line, 9 of 10 in the last minute from the free throw line. He was 18 and 6, 6 and 5 overall in the Big 12, first time above 500 at Oklahoma State Saturday. Women's basketball also beat UCF in Orlando. The Cougars have won three straight, final score 64-60. BYU didn't make a field goal in the last eight minutes and four seconds, but did enough to hang on. Lauren Gustin dominant again, the reigning Big 12 Player of the Week with 22 points and 15 rebounds. Kaylee Wilson added 18, Amari Whiting scored 11. BYU now 15 and 11 overall. They're five and eight in the Big 12 in ninth place. And they've got some winnable games ahead, starting with Kansas in Provo on Saturday. BYU football is ranked 65th in ESPN's Bill Connolly uh, SP Plus rankings for the 2024 20, season. This is pre-spring, of course. Out of the new Big 12 teams, BYU 11th out of the 16. Connolly has BYU's offense 60th, defense 80th, and special teams 11th. Yahoo Sports reporter Ross Dellinger reported yesterday that the Big 12 will hold the conference's annual football media days in Viva Las Vegas this summer at the site of the Super Bowl, Allegiant Stadium. No specific dates, we should mention, have been announced as of yet, but it will take place in Vegas. Yeah, the new info is Allegiant Stadium specific. There you go. Yeah, Max Olsen had told us Vegas. So, hey, we've never been to Vegas to cover BYU anything. Women's soccer announced its spring schedule yesterday, highlighted by a close scrimmage against Utah Royals in March and a game against Utah Southfield in April. Those are today's headlines. Now let's get to the Big 12 Roundup. BYU, you're not the only team doing work last night across this crazy conference. Number 12, Baylor, 
Started off uh, very well, Jerem. They're moving up the standings as well. 79-62 win over Oklahoma, who's number 25. Jaden Nunn, six threes, game high 27. Uh, Baylor, tough at home, 13-1 overall. BYU, 13-2, by the way, at home. 5-1 in league, one game back, a first at 7-4. Oklahoma, 6-6 six six now in league play. Sean Farnham's number one team in his Big 12 power rankings, Iowa State. They win on the road, 68-59. Remember, Cincinnati was a one-and-a-half point favorite going into the game. Iowa State obliterates that line. Really? Wow. And now they're tied with Houston atop the conference at 8-3. and three. The Cyclones playing some really good basketball. They outscored Cincinnati. This is Cincinnati. Super athletic, tall, strong. They outscored the Bearcats 36-14 in the paint. Cincinnati drops to 4-7 in league play. And again, that separation is starting to take place. That wraps up today's Big 12 Roundup. Now some opinions in a holiday edition of the Cougar Whip Round, presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Women's Hoops beat UCF last night, third straight win. Next two home games, uh, next two games are at home against Kansas and TCU. How much longer will the streak go? I think it's gonna go to five games. And I was talking with Trent Whiting after the Baylor game, and I said, mm. hey, the schedule actually shapes up pretty nicely if BYU can just find a way to survive on the road, which they did against Cincinnati and now UCF. There's a real shot they could go on a nice little run here. It's three. I think it's going to be five before they have to go on the road and play at Iowa State, which is a really tough place to play. They don't really lose at home. They're tremendous there, and they sell it out. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think get to five. Let's go. And then, and then go compete with Iowa State um, because you competed with Kansas State. You beat Baylor. You got, got out on the road uh, and won some games. BYU women's basketball getting stronger and improving throughout the season as well. You're seeing that young freshman backcourt grow before our eyes sure. this season. If BYU wins five straight, there's a real opportunity for the Cougars to definitely avoid playing on the first day in the Big 12 tournament and maybe be in that 8-9 game as it'd they be, open up It'd be nice play. to show up on day two and not Absolutely. the 11-14 spot. BYU women's soccer announcing and we mentioned this just a little bit ago. They will play the Utah Royals in a closed scrimmage next month. Is this just a glorified alumni game? Because there are five former BYU women's soccer players on the Royals roster currently. Love, Vasconcelos, Tucker, Mozingo, Griffiths. Sort of. Like if those five are actually out there, it's almost your half the 11. Let's go. It's a closed scrimmage. I think they should televise this, at least in the state of Utah. People would watch. BYU fans would want to watch. I understand why they do what they do, but it'd be fun to see that game happen for sure in a live element. Ah. Okay, Yahoo Sports' Ross Dellinger published an article about the future changes calling, uh, coming to college athletics with what he called the inevitable expansion of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Would you like to see the tourney expanded? There's a lot of discussion every year about potentially doing this. Not really. Uh, I tend to lean in the direction of John Rothstein, who was like, do not expand whatever it takes. Avoid, 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 no. We sleep in May. Yes. <laughs> it's 68 teams. If it did expand, yep. I would not want it to go more than probably 80 teams. And the reason I pick 80 as the number is maybe you give the top four seeds in each region a first round bye. So if you're a one, two, three, or four seed, you just don't play an opening round. They used game. to do this. It used to be a 48-team tournament. Right. You'd get biased. You know. So then it sounds so weird. A 20 seed would play <laughs> a five seed in that opening round, right? Yeah. And then 19 and six and so on and so forth all the way down. So, but if you're protected, like you're rewarded with just 
a first round bye yep. if you're a one through four seed. We're doing this in the college football playoff, by the way. Yeah. We're giving out top there four. Are, there are 12 teams there, right? So it's yep. the same idea. That I would not want it to go more than that. I don't really want it to do that, but if it did expand, that's as big as I would want it to get. How much do we care about the NIT? Because if you expand to, say, 96, you're, you're, Too many. you're essentially cutting the NIT off of the knees, and now it's just like, that's it. BYU is making that tourney most of the time, which would be great. Um, I don't really care when BYU makes the NIT that much. It's fun to have the season extend, but the motivation yeah. is kind of gone, right? You didn't make the, the main goal there. So I'm not opposed to it. I do think it's inevitable as well. There's too much money to be made, so it will happen, whether we like it or not. Yeah, uh, maybe it goes to 72, and they figure out something weird to do with that number. I, I don't know, but just don't get more than 80, because 96, you want a 24 seed? <laughs> that's, that's so ridiculous. There's a really funny Onion video yes, that we reference yes. where they talk about how the ex- <laughs> It the tournament expense of 4096 <laughs> And they're like, the so-and-so trucking company against Dallas Roberts <laughs> Air Academy. Uh, they're in the steam room. Oh, they, hey, get in the steam room. Let's go. <laughs> We're going to turn up the heat. <laughs> College football considering adding a two-minute warning. How about this? Similar to the NFL. Would you like to see that rule change applied in college football? I don't think you need this. The clock stops on first downs later in the game. They eliminated that, right, from earlier. Uh, it doesn't stop until, what, the last two minutes of each half now? You kind of don't need it. Get a first down and go out of bounds. Also, you don't have the same rules as the NFL, where if you're tackled, not forward, meaning level or backwards, the clock continues to roll yeah. as well. Yes. So, no, you don't need a two-minute warning in college football. I don't really care. Like, if they add it, okay. Like, now it's just another move in the direction of, like, oh, it slows the game down a little bit more. Because people were like, oh, you're you're speeding up the game with these rule changes, taking plays away from these these hardworking kids. Now, okay, you got a two-minute warning back. Maybe you get a few plays back because of the two-minute warning. What 22-year-old is a kid? Right, whatever. Yeah, I, I see. I, I don't really care. Yeah. I'm, I'm indifferent to it. You had it, great. Okay, let me know when it happens. Late in last night's game, the Cougar Tail kid returned. 11-year-old... Beckham Bramwell! Hi, Beckham. Last two games, he's eaten an entire cougar tail in uh, one go by himself. I'm a little worried about his cholesterol. (laughs) The sugar intake is high. Is he BYU's new good luck charm? They're 2-0 with this. Well, they they have won the games, but I'd like to point out that after they have shown Beckham attempt this feat twice now, the games have gotten weirdly close, and like the opponents have gone on these weird runs. Spence, he has not choked yet, and neither has BYU. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I do not want either. Please BYU, don't. BYU's winning. Please it's, don't. It's hilarious. Beckham Bramwell. Really, I just want him to wear a royal blue hoodie. Like, let's yeah. get him that. Yeah. BYU store, step up. Give the Cougar Tail Kid a royal blue sweatshirt. Number six men's volleyball takes on number two Grand Canyon, who's undefeated 9-0. and Oh, ho, ho! Friday and Saturday, 9 Eastern, as MPSF play begins on BYU TV. Massive matches in the Smith Fieldhouse. It's a Valentine's Day-themed question of the day. What do you love most about BYU sports right you, now? You, Spencer. It's more of your responses. This is BYU Sports Station. I'm supposed to tell lies My friend Sean Farnham. Okay, that's another lie. <laughs> this portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station live from Studio B. Our question of the day on this Valentine's Day is, what do you love most about BYU sports right now? So many things. At Mono's BYU on X says, I love how the other sports are crushing it. 
quotations run. They're okay. not the other sports to them. <laughs> Football and basketball get all the play, but the yeah. others are making massive waves. I, I also love I, seeing packed stands at all sports. And yep. Diljeet Taylor specifically, yep. shout out to women's cross country and track and field, raises the bar for what it means to be a coach. Absolutely. These quote-unquote other sports have been doing great work, by the way, for a long yeah, time. Women's sports um, in general. And whether they're successful or not does not mean they deserve more or less uh, sort of attendance and attention. I think that we should just play it up regardless. Let's do it. Because typically the BYU teams are good anyway. But, uh, no, it's fun to uh, tell their stories, be a part of that, and obviously we'll give that to you here on the show. All right, Travis Larson on Facebook adds that BYU belongs. Amen. Amen. BYU's played at a high level for decades now and have produced incredible athletes all over. But to see BYU now with a seat at the big boy table and maintain that level of excellence is so gratifying. Yeah. BYU is a unique place, and it's such a thrill to see that success carry over into the Big 12. Amen. Got to get there in football quicker, right? The other sports are doing a pretty good job there. Football is next. Our elite voice of the day, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Corey Post on X, who says, simply put, the Big 12. A lot of love for the Big 12. Absolutely. It's just The new neighborhood's nice. the dynamic, yeah. We like the new neighborhood. It is very nice right now. Check out this week's episode of the Deep Blue Podcast with the director of BYU Golf, Todd Miller, friend of the program. Todd talks about why he forfeited in the final round of the 2004 Utah State Amateur Tournament, how his faith shapes his life, and much more. Let's share some more love. Our Valentines, if you will. <laughs> Today's rise and shout out after the Is break. That what we're, I didn't know we were doing that. No, we're, we're not doing that. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Station. <laughs> Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to the show. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about Taysom Hill, Jaron Hall, Blake Freeland, Daniel Sorensen at the game last night? Not to mention Taylor Hendrick from UCF, Hendricks, Keontae George, rookie, both from the Utah Jazz. With that, let's go. Our thanks to today's guest, Sean Farnham. Bring in the love. Sorry to Dennis. Speaking of love, we ran out of time. Love you, Dennis. Love you, Dennis. You're my boy. We're Jeremiah I'm Spencer. Shout out to Byron Rex, who wants one of our BYU Sports Nation jackets. We're going to get it for you, Byron. Really? Yes. Let's go. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Remember back him here at Hawaii? Live edition. Go Coops. Do you remember at Hawaii with him?